Feast this morning, and we've entitled it Turning You Inside Out. We're going to talk about the practical power of the inner man, and uh, Trace was able to share just some of the impactful things that take place when we're able to get away at a network of related pastors meeting, and it does. It just stirs you up. Oftentimes, it confirms things that are already going on in your heart. Other times it unveils or reveals things to you that uh, you need to hear. And so, uh, you know, and, and it's never been the case in our, in our body here, but if we ever have to slip out and go away somewhere, I mean, it is, it is like going to church for us. You say, well, you're here every Sunday, don't you go to church? And, and yes, we do. Um, but as you can imagine, if you're thinking about how service, when it starts, when it stops, what's going on, how does this work and that work, you're thinking about the message you're about ready to bring, sometimes, you know, we just don't get to sit and soak. And, and it's really important for all of us to be able to sit and receive, to sit and hear. And so that's our opportunity oftentimes uh, to do that. And so uh, we, just, we just are greatly impacted. And uh, as we're getting this series started, I began to think just over the years how it was that I began to learn how God worked in my life. I, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I don't think we're all that analytical. I don't think we look at our lives all that closely. I think most of us just kind of let life happen. Uh, most of us love God. We want to serve God. And truth of the matter is, if seeing miracles or seeing God work in our life was based on how much we love the Lord, would it not be true that we should be seeing more miracles? Because if I were to ask everybody in the room this morning, if I could get you alone in a corner and just ask you, do you love the Lord? I, I don't care where you're at spiritually or how you would rank yourself or how someone else might rank you or how even God might rank you. I, I am willing, if I were a betting man, to... Assume that everyone here would say, I love the Lord. I'm sincere. I really love God. And if it were all a matter of sincerity, and if it were all a matter of how much we loved him, wouldn't it be wonderful if God would just move on that basis? But truth of the matter is, you can love God, and that doesn't mean he moves in your life. Now, you may not think that to be fair, but that's the Bible. And, and we need to begin to just ask ourselves the question, why is that? Because I don't know about you, I want God to move in my life. I, I just want to just take, let's just take a little non-scientific poll. How many of you right now, whether it's your life or your circumstance, a situation, it could be any one of maybe a hundred different topics I could throw out to you right now. How many of you say right now, there's something you would really like to see God move in? I need God to move in this area. I want to see him work in my life in this area. And if there's probably one frustration that exists in believers' lives across the board, is that it seems that they can be frustrated and even defeated because they just don't understand, they just don't know. It's never been explained to them how God works in their life. Nobody ever took the time to explain to them how he interacts with them and how he moves in them and through them and how supernatural things can begin to take place. Well, I've just decided I'm going to take the time. 
And it may seem for some of you to be a review, but for others of you, I suspect it can be great revelation. Now, my personal background was that I grew up after I was born again. I was born again into a, an evangelical Bible-believing church. It's a good, good church, good denomination. The foundations they gave me helped me in all sorts of ways. But they were ostensibly anti-charismatic or anti-supernatural. I mean, we, we, we would talk about healing and we would talk about God moving, but I don't know that any of us really believed it. We talked about it, but we sure enough never saw it. And, and to be candid with you, when I went to school, I was actually taught really why not to expect it. Why not to believe it would happen? In fact, it gave me more theories on why God wouldn't work in our life than how he wanted to work in our life. And so I literally, I, I got a graduate degree in discouragement. Actually, it was in church history. I call it a PhD in church fights, but, but, uh, but nonetheless, I, I, I came out well educated in my mind, but I was not schooled in the things of the spirit. And the key to successful Christian living is not the acquisition of knowledge. I mean, that may have its place. But the acquisition of knowledge does not get God to move in your life. Just knowing more does not automatically unlock a door that releases Him in your life. And that sometimes is a subtle deception even in our Christian circles because we believe if I could just jam in more information that the information will cause Action, and that's not always the case. I've seen, I've seen people with relatively little education see God move in far more dramatic ways. There's got to be, there's got to be more to it, but the more to it is not more information. The more to it is getting the revelation. And, and I have just come to the conclusion, have been reminded of this, that when it comes to learning, and especially if you enroll in the school of the Spirit, that's what we ought to call this, enrolling in the school of the Spirit, is that not only do you need to learn things, but you need to unlearn some things. <laughs> that, that's a part of the, the learning process in the kingdom. Wasn't it true Jesus often would say these words, you have heard it said, but I tell you. Well, you know what he was doing. He was saying, I'm, I'm fixing to say to you, unlearn this unlearn some things and all of us here are going to have to unlearn some things you say well i heard a preacher say this well that doesn't make it right i used to teach at a bible college I used to tell my bible college students this just because the book's in print don't make it so you can get anything in print but it doesn't mean just because it's on pages in front of you it's true and so we've got we're going to unlearn some things in order that we can begin to function powerfully because that's how God created us. And, and can I just say, because uh, our journey in the Baird household, both for Trace and myself, our journey has been one where we have literally had to become almost apologists for the things of the Spirit. The reason being is because we grew up in, in circles that were so anti-things of the Spirit. And so we literally had to learn what, what do we believe? Why do we believe it? What does God's word say? I, I'm, I'm tired of people trying to say, this is what it says. I want to know what God's word says for me. And this is where I've come to. And I, I, again, we can wow you with, 
with vocabulary and concepts, but this is, I'm just wanting to bring it back to simplicity, and it's this. If someone demeans you or belittles you or makes fun of you because you have certain beliefs with regards to supernatural activity and the things of the Spirit and the ways of the Spirit, all you have to do is simply look at them and say these words, how's your life working? How's it going? Are you healing any sick or do you just simply apologize that God doesn't do that anymore? Are you raising the dead or do you simply disregard the words that Jesus said that the works he did you shall do and even greater works than these? How's it working in your life? Because so far I haven't found anybody who belittled me that I wanted to switch lives with. I may not have it all down, but at least I know I'm headed the right direction. I may not be perfect, but I'm in a pursuit. I may not know all, but, but I'm learning more and more. And so we're going to help you begin to activate some of these things. And we started, and you know me, we start at ground zero. And before you can understand how God works in your life, I mean, how many of you would like to hear God more? I mean, would God speak to me, please? Well, there are going to be just some simple things I'm going to share with you that are going to, that, that all of a sudden you're going to hear God's voice more consistently in your life. But we've got to understand first how God created us, how God created you, and how God created me. If you have your Bibles in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, and, and I, I don't know if this, I'm, I don't, I'm not apologizing for it, but I don't usually have, you know, tons of scripture. I, I do bring scripture. <laughs> Aren't you glad that I preach from scripture? Um, uh, but, but, you know, I don't want to overload you. So you might want to get a pencil ready or a pen ready and write some of these down and you can go back and check it out yourself if we go through it too quickly this morning. But we are going to be reading several things here. In Ephesians 3, Paul begins to pray for the Ephesian church. It was a great church, powerful church. It was located in an, an a highly pagan, demonic stronghold, Ephesus, the Temple of Diana. There were power encounters going on all the time. Um, supernatural things had to happen in that city in order for the gospel to be established. Timothy was the first pastor at the church of Ephesus. Some have said that there were over 25,000 people who were a part of that local church there at Ephesus. So there you go. There's a, there's a mega church right there waiting for us but but this mega church man it was it was doing some incredible over the top things and paul begins to pray for them in chapter 3 verse 14 and he says for this reason i bow my knees to the father of our lord jesus christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named now listen that he would grant you everyone say that means me that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory listen now to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. You need to underline inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes Knowledge. Okay, we're, I, I didn't have this in my notes, but you understand that there are things in God that surpasses your brain. 
So whenever someone looks at you and says, that doesn't make sense to me, then you can say, good, now you're getting into God's ground. Because there's all sorts of things that surpass his knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do, listen, exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Everyone say all. I don't know how big you can think, but he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. According to the power that works where? Say it one more time in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And amen. Paul begins to pray some things into these Ephesian believers that reminds them of exactly how they were created, who they are and how God begins to work in their life. Now, I put on the screen, I'm going to go through this quickly. There are some quick insights that you need to pick up in these just short passages. This isn't even the whole Bible. This is just some short passages with regards to how God works in our life. Number one, it says that we can be strengthened by his might. Dwell on that for just a minute. Think about God's might. Do you understand there ain't nobody bigger than God? Uh, Is there anything that can stop him? Is there anything that can shut him down? Is there anything that can hinder him? Is there anything at all that can even begin to, to even qualify to stand in his presence to contend with him? The answer is no. And we are strengthened by his might. Now, I'm just sowing some things because I know what people say. Well, if that's so true, why ain't it happening? Well, we're going to figure that one out because it is true. Number two, this strengthening, it says, doesn't happen in your brain. It doesn't happen in your body. It doesn't happen in your feelings or your emotions. It doesn't happen anywhere like that. It says that it happens in the inner man. The inner man. So we got to figure out if that's where might comes, then we need to understand inner man stuff. Number three, it says also that the Holy Spirit works this might in the inner man. Now, what does that tell, tell me? It tells me that when God begins to interact with me, He's not interacting with my brain. Are you following me? doesn't say that the Holy Spirit strengthens your mind or your brain. I'm not saying that that has to be checked out at the door either. But I'm simply trying to get you to understand that when God works with you, He's working in an area that not many people talk about. He's working in the inner man. That's where God works. You aren't going to find God in, 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 you know, by... Isn't God here? Well, there's four of you that believe that. Is God here? Yeah, well, how come I can't grab? Well, he's spirit. The Bible tells us he is spirit. Well, then how do I, how do I get a hold of God? Well, you have to understand where he interacts with you, it says, in the inner man. Number four, we know that the inner man, by virtue of the word inner, you have to be a real Greek scholar to understand this. Inner means inside. Somewhere inside of us is this inner man. That God is interacting with. And number five, the Bible tells us, when the inner man is operating, it can exceed our natural expectations and limitations. That's what it says right here. It says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. 
according to the power that works where? In us. So do you understand right now? We've got to just pause here for just a moment because people lose this so quickly. That inside of you right now is a place that God interacts with that is without limits. There is no ceiling. There is no stopping you. Inside of you right now, there is something moving that God interacts with that can begin to eclipse what it is you might think or feel. You may have put boundaries of rational thought out there by saying to yourself, well, I, you know, maybe God could do that, but I can't imagine him doing that. Let me tell you, that's not the inner man talking. The inner man says, this is what the inner man says, give me that giant, I can take him. The inner man says, it doesn't matter how big the mountain is, I can say, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it shall be moved. Your natural mind will look at circumstances and they'll begin to say, no way, no how, it's over, I'm out. It's just, it's gone, I've lost it. And the inner man says, don't you back up because greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. See, we read these things and some of you are starting to just with this get a little revelation. That there's something inside of you that God interacts with that absolutely would blow the lid off our circumstances. But the truth of the matter is we, we don't have a clue as to how to get what is in us out of us. How do we turn ourselves inside out? Boy, if we could just... Know that. Life would be way different, wouldn't it? Let's talk about the inner man for a little bit. Now, unless you are a hardcore atheist in here this morning, most people will recognize that there is a spiritual side to their existence. Most people, if you talk to them, intuitively recognize that there's a part of their human makeup that is more than what they learned in biology class. I mean, you just ask, I'm not saying they're right, but just, just listen to how current culture speaks. It'll say things like, well, you know, I met this person and they are really a spiritual person. Now, I don't know what that means to them, but what it at least says is they recognize that there's another dimension of who we are than just what we see by virtue of our natural eyes. Now, it could mean they're a Christian, or it could mean, you know, they're from some other religion. Or it could mean, you know, they worship, you know, a tree or, you know, their dog or Mother Earth or Father Time. I, you know, it, it, we don't know what it is that they are a spiritual person. And so people, everybody, it seems like at least admits, except if you're a hardcore atheist, that there's some sort of spiritual side of existence. Now, to be spiritual is great as long as that part of you is accessing what is healthy, holy, and not destructive and deceiving. Now, the Bible tells us, because this is the roadmap, it tells us that in order for it to be healthy and holy, that we have to access the one true living God. And we do that, obviously, by taking the first step, and that's receiving his son, Jesus, into our life. We need to understand that, that God created us to be this way. He, he created us to have a spiritual side. Now, when the human race 
was initially created. The Bible tells us that we were created, it says in the book of Genesis, in his image. Now, what that means, it doesn't mean that, you know, you know, if we're a beautiful person, that God's beautiful, or if we're kind of, you know, we're just, you know, we don't have the greatest shell in the world, you know, maybe God's not all that hot. But um, what, it, what it means by we are created in his image is that, is that our, our, our nature and our existence mirrors who he is. And so it means not only that we're of great value to God, but we were like God in a number of ways, one of which is that as he is triune, so we are triune. Just as God is one, we all know there's one God, right? And yet we understand that he's manifested and does manifest himself in three different personalities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we know any of these particular uh, uh Images or these references or personages of the Godhead still represent one God. Now, I, I'm not going to get into Trinity teaching because everybody, you know, they want to understand the Trinity. And I think it was Augustine who said, if you know, if you try to understand it, you'll lose your mind. But if you don't believe it, you'll lose your soul. So, uh, you know, so, so we, 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 we receive that mystery somewhat by faith. But but in his image means that just as you and I are one, in other words, there aren't multiple Kevin Baird standing up here. But yet I am one, and yet I am triune in the sense that I am body, I am soul, and I am spirit. I'm these three things. Now, if you don't believe that in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, go ahead and flash it on the screen, guys. I'm not going to turn to everything. But it says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul clearly tells us there that there are three aspects to our existence. Now, listen to me, because if you don't get this, you won't access God. Most of us don't live spirit, soul, body. Most of us live body, soul, spirit. In other words, the first aspect of our awareness is our body. And the last part of our awareness is our spirit. God really intended that that thing be turned around like Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. He meant for us as human beings to walk out of our inner man. If we can walk out of our inner man, as we will find out in these coming weeks, you will find life to be more consistent. You will find life to be more joyful. You will find life to make more sense. Your life won't be this roller coaster ride. Because if God is working in the inner man, or if he's working in that spirit portion of who you are, I'm telling you, God doesn't go on roller coaster rides. He's very steady. And if that's where he has set up shop in me and in you, then there ought to be some sense of stability that comes with it. Now, don't get confused. A lot of people get confused when they read their Bibles, and I'm going to help you a little bit here. There is a Holy Spirit, and there is a human spirit. The Holy Spirit, obviously, is the third person of the Trinity. He is the executor of the Godhead, and he moves amongst us. He's in here even this morning. The spirit or little s. Now, Holy Spirit is capital S. Human spirit is little s. Now, little s spirit is synonymous with your inner man. Are you following me? Inner man. Everyone say it together. Say inner man equals spirit. Little s. All right. But the Holy Spirit 
moves in your spirit to where I believe they can become so intertwined. Now, you may not believe this this morning, but if you'll stick with me, I'll take you through the word. That if we allow God, it can almost become indistinguishable. Oh, I believe that. Or why else would Paul say that all of creation groans and is expectantly awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God? See, this world is looking for a people who have so yielded themselves to God that when they see them, they say they're, 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 they're different. They, they have distinguished themselves in the earth. Now, let me give you just, because this is interesting and it'll help you make these these distinctions. I want to distinguish these three areas. Now, I understand for some of you, this may be review and it's good for you. So just eat your vegetables right now. All right. This is good for you. For those of you that have never heard this, I need to get you up to speed. We need to understand these three areas. The first area is the body. This should be relatively simple. This is the shell that we live in. This is my body. It is flesh and blood. It is what you went to biology class to learn about. This is the case that I am in. I'm filled with, uh, you know, organs and, 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 and blood and, and all sorts of things that are moving. I don't even understand it all. And as we look at each other, we can see quite quickly that all of us have different shells, don't we? Some of us have shells that we're happy with. Some of us have shells we're not so happy with. It depends on what age you live in. Different shells are venerated in different ways. But it is the shell. It includes, the body includes the five senses. The five senses are the touch, taste, smell, sight, and hearing. These are the senses that, that exert what we call in our body. Now listen, for most people, life is ruled and directed by how it affects this aspect of their existence. Think about it for just a moment. We taste, we touch, we smell, we see, we hear, and immediately we're influenced. We're influenced in, 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 in our faith, we're influenced in our decision making, we're influenced in, in everything because it's the, it's really the first part that interacts with the world. It's my, it's my body. But hear what Paul said. The body, this shell was never meant to be the number one issue. Do you understand that there's coming a day that you're going to run out of steam in this shell, but you live on forever? There's something more to you than just this. Praise God. I believe, I believe in my glorified body. You're not going to recognize me. No glasses, little hair. It's the body. Then there's this second layer that the Bible teaches us is the soul. The soul is not what most people have been taught. In fact, most people have been taught really dualism, which is not, which is really not scriptural. The soul is really what I call the conduit through which God, God will eventually work through in order to manifest himself in your life. But the soul contains several things. It contains our mind. In other words, when you think, when you begin to uh, analyze and rationalize and you begin to exert logic, it's coming out of your mind, so that's coming out of your soul area. 
It is where the feelings are housed or our emotions are housed. In other words, when you feel happy, when you feel sad, whatever feeling is coming your way, it is, it is coming out of the soul area. And, and then thirdly, and most importantly, I think, is what we call the will. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your will or your decision-making capacity comes out of your soul. So this is interesting. So if you're, if you're allowing your body to, to touch, taste, hear, smell, feel, and it's being processed in your soul where you think things about that or you feel things about that and you begin to make decisions based on all of that, then can you begin to see how a lot of life moves you in directions that may not be God? And oftentimes we say to ourselves, well, I'm feeling good today, so the Lord's on the throne. Well, I don't feel so good today, so the devil's after me. And and oftentimes that has nothing to do with God on the throne or the devil chasing you. It's because you have processed things from the wrong direction. You've looked at your circumstances or your situations or your life's, whatever life has dealt you, and you brought it into your soul, and your soul has caused you to think a certain way, and it caused you to feel a certain way, and therefore it causes you to act a certain way. And if you act wrong ways long enough, it leads you to destruction. You're following me. That's why people, even Christian people, will make Bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And then they get there and life's falling apart and they say to themselves, well, where's God? I love God. Doesn't he love me? Well, sure he loves you. He's been in you the whole time. The problem is your soul has been processing things that weren't God. Now we're going to leave that for just a moment. Oh, let me also say this. The carnal nature. If you ever want to know where the carnal nature is, it's in your soul. The carnal nature is selfishness. That's why we make decisions out of selfishness. Because everything left to itself, we're going to move in a selfish direction. And we're going to get to this eventually, but that's why the Bible says in Galatians 2.20 that you have to be crucified with Christ. What's getting crucified? It's the soul. The soul has to yield to the will of God. Because if the soul doesn't yield to the will of God, you'll keep making terrible decisions. We'll get to that a little bit later. Now, the third area is what I already talked about, the inner man or the spirit. This is the part of you that God works in. Before you were born again, the Bible tells us that you were dead in trespass and sin. This means this, that every one of us is born. from When, we're, when we come into this life, we are all born with a spirit. The problem is our spirit is dead. It is dead in trespass and sin. You didn't get lost along the way. That's how you came into this world. I often liken it, and I probably should have brought with me today, a balloon. If you can imagine, all right, I'm going to get your imagination because that comes out of the spirit area. Imagine a balloon right now, an unblown up balloon. And, and right now it's just, it's just no air in it, nothing in it. That's what your spirit looked like. When you were born into the world. And it stays that way until it is quickened into life. The minute, the minute you open up your heart to Jesus Christ and receive Him, the Bible says that the Spirit of God baptizes you into the body. And what happens is, is that you become alive. The Bible says that you are alive unto Christ when you were dead unto sin. 
And there's something that ignites and, and, and it's like the wind. The wind of the Spirit blows you up inside to where your inner man becomes activated. Now, there's a great picture of this in the book of Genesis. Now, bear with me. I'm just, I'm giving you stuff that you've got to get a hold of if you want to see God things, great things happen in your life. In Genesis 2-7, look at this real quick. Genesis 2-7. This is what we read. It says, And the Lord God formed a man of the dust of the ground. And it says that he breathed into his nostrils. The literal Hebrew word here is the word ruach. And ruach, which doesn't mean anything to you, but it's translated into the Greek pneuma, which is where we get our word spirit from. So, so wind, breath, spirit, all of these words are ruach in the Old Testament, and they're pneuma in the New Testament. Now listen to what's happening here. So when man is being formed and created, the Bible says this. The Bible says that in order to ignite life in him, because he had a body, right? We're assuming that all the biological parts were in there. He wasn't up and walking yet because there was something else that needed to happen in this perfect, pristine environment that had to take place. God breathed. God ruached. Are you with me? Literally, the Spirit of God went into Adam and quickened, or He enlivened Adam's spirit to where the Bible says that He gave him the breath of life and man became a living being. And that word literally can be translated soul. So in other words, his body and his soul was not even activated until the spirit portion of him got ignited. Now, if you just keep that in mind, we begin to see how God wants to work with us. In Romans 8, 16, it says this. It says that his witness, his spirit bears witness with what? His spirit bears witness where? Now, listen to me. This is so hilarious. For years. We've ministered, Trace and I ministered to people, we've prayed for people, we've counseled people, we've given them advice, we've read the word to them, and I've heard this through the years. They'll say things to me like, Pastor, this just doesn't bear witness. I always laugh. The reason I laugh is because they, they wouldn't know their inner man if he jumped out and hit him up the side of the head. Most of the time when people say this, what they mean is, that didn't bear witness with my, it didn't bear witness with my feelings. And you see, the Bible never says that the Holy Spirit bears witness with your soul. And that's what we're always waiting for. We're waiting for God to make sense. We're waiting for God to give us a feeling. Because if I get a feeling, it's God. Or if it makes sense, it must be God. This is, it's, folks, I'm telling you, we gotta get a hold of this in these next two weeks because God might just ask us to do things that don't make sense and it's God. Because it's not sensible to march around city walls seven times, six times silent, seven times, shout your guts out. What logic book did that come from? Are you following me? Does it make sense for Jesus to pick up some dirt, spit in it, put it in a guy's eye? Oh, yeah, they'll line up for that kind of ministry, won't they? I bring a dirt pot in here and go... (laughs) We'll see how many line up. Well, why won't they line up? It's because it doesn't make sense. 
But God isn't speaking to our mind. He's not. So you, you say, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought, hang on, we'll get there. The soul processes everything. But the, remember, the soul's going to have to yield somewhere in here. Now, let's just connect some of these dots. Turn to Ephesians 1, 16. I told you I was going to read a lot of scripture because I don't want you just to believe what I'm telling you. You need to read it in the Bible. Ephesians 1, 16. You guys, can you throw that on the screen? I don't want to look all this stuff up. Throw, do you have it? Paul says this, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, listen, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, keep going, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the, the one which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now listen to me. He says, first off, he says, Ephesians, you need to, you need to get an enlightening as to where Jesus is, to what it is that he has, to, to the fact that there's nothing greater, nothing more powerful, nothing more mighty. He says, I'm, I'm praying that your eyes get wide open, that you begin to see like you've never seen before. He's saying Jesus is not a doormat. He is not pitiful. He's not to be pitied. He's a glorified, awesome, over-the-top king who reigns over everything. His name is above every name in heaven and on earth. And there will be a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It don't get any bigger than him you wait listen we're not done yet he says i'm praying i am praying paul says that your eyes get enlightened that you begin to see like you've never seen before because he says go to verse or excuse me chapter two listen to this and you he made what alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, even among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Keep going. But God, hallelujah. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. Where Jesus is right now, Paul says this, you, you who once were dead in sin and have been made alive, you, because of the inner man, now have the capacity to be seated with him together. We are heirs and joint heirs. Are you, these are, I'm not pulling this out of thin air. These, this is Bible. I'm a joint heir. With Jesus. 
We are seated to where inside of me are the same possibilities as Jesus himself enjoys. Now, I know people automatically, they shift to their mind and they go, yeah, yeah, right, right. I don't, I don't see you doing everything Jesus did. Listen, it isn't because there's a problem on his side. It's because my eyes perhaps have not been open to the place they need to be open. Maybe there are things yet to be revealed, but I'm in a pursuit. See, that's why you read these passages, 1 John 4, 4, that's where we find greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Guys, run it over to 1 John 5, 4 through 5. Run it over. 1 John 5, 4 through 5. Put it up there. For whatever, listen, whatever is born of God. Are you reading that? Overcomes. Now, what were you telling me again that you just couldn't get through? What were you what were you sharing with me again that was just so big and so bad and somehow or another it's just going to take you out whoever is born of God whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God wow See, you can know all these things, and we're all amening these things. And we should amen these things. But we can be filled with knowledge, but it produces no fruit. I understand all of this, but my pursuit is not just to somehow jam some more stuff in here so I can look good to the masses or to the world, or somehow they'll interview me and they'll want my opinion. That is meaningless. Paul didn't change societies because he knew so much. He changed things, it said in 1 Corinthians 2, because he demonstrated the Spirit in power. That's the part we got to get a hold of. Now, where does all of this start? Now, there are two groups of people, and, and, and we're, we're going to wrap it up because I'm going to give you a lot. This is going to give you a lot to chew on all through the week. This is just, this is just the starting place. This, this, is, this is where we begin by, by understanding I've got right now inside of me not just enough, more than enough. I've got inside of me right now just not, just not enough to barely conquer, but I'm more than a conqueror. God just doesn't want me to break even. He, he wants me victorious and triumphant. That's his will. That's what he's provided. It's, it's not, listen, you were not created to be a doormat in the earth. You were created to exercise dominion in the earth. Not dominion in the sense that you can yank people around and abuse them and be poor authority. That's not the type of dominion we're talking about. We're talking about the type of dominion that exerts that, that exerts itself in unselfishness. It exerts itself in, in healing and helping and restoring. It's dominion that exists in as much as people can begin to see the people of God and begin to say, whatever it is in their life, I want that God. That's, that's what I'm looking for. That's how we are distinguished in the earth. 
So where does it all start? Well, there are two groups of people today that probably all of us in this room fall under one or the other category. The first group, group one, is the group whose spirit is just dead. Your spirit is dead inside of you. Now, in John chapter 3, which is the famous chapter about for God so loved the world. But I want to walk you through this real quick. And I'm I'm good on time here, so just bear with me. John chapter 3, I'm going to begin with verse 1. It's a familiar passage, but I'm praying right now. In fact, I'm just going to take a moment. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now upon this congregation to open the eyes of their understanding. Lord, I break religion. I ask that they would see your word, they would see your scripture like it's never been shown to them before. And that out of this, Lord, it would produce a greater sense of you in them. In John 3, it says this, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said, now I'm going to stop here because some of you grew up in church and some of you automatically are going, I've heard this passage, I know what he's going to talk about, it's, a being, it's about being born again and, and, and I know all about that and you're about ready to check out but understand me when I'm saying this, Nicodemus did not come to Jesus trying to figure out how to get eternal life. I'm going to read it to you here in just a minute. He wasn't looking to be saved. He wasn't trying to figure out how to get to heaven. Listen to what he says. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So you see what arrested Nicodemus's attention? Jesus was doing things that just human beings don't do. I mean, I mean, he was demonstrating God in his life to such a proportion that it has arrested Nicodemus's attention. And he's saying, I'm seeing things in your life, Jesus, that are absolutely over the top, amazing. And he, of course, he comes at night because he doesn't want to be associated with him because, you know, it's the mind thing and the feeling thing. And I don't want to tick anybody off or, you know, or somehow be associated. But this is attractive to me. And Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see. The word see does not mean physical eyes. There are several words in the Greek language that uh, uh, are used in order to distinguish between our, our natural sense eyes and spiritual eyes. One's blepo and one's oido. I know that means nothing to you, but this one means he cannot perceive, he cannot see, he cannot with spiritual eyes begin to comprehend or understand the kingdom of God. He's saying this, he's saying, if, you, if you're not born from above, if, if something hasn't happened inside of you, you'll never be able to perceive this stuff. You'll never get this stuff. And I'm going to share this just hopefully lightly here. But, but the reason the church today cannot access the miracle working power of God, especially in America, is because truth of the matter is, there's a lot of people who say they're Christian and they've never been born again. They've walked down aisles and they've shook hands, signed cards, prayed prayers. They've never shed a tear. They just tried this. I've tried everything else. I guess I'll try this. And, and folks, we have lost the sense of conversion. And then we wonder why it doesn't work. They come and sit for hours in pastor's office going, well, I shook your hand. I wrote the, I wrote the thing. I checked the box. I did everything I was supposed to do. And nothing's working. Jesus said, unless you're born from above, you can't perceive this stuff. Nicodemus said to him, now listen, he jumps right back into his soul because he's dealing logically here, isn't he? How can a man be born when he's old? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. 
How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? See, he's working all out of that. Jesus answered, assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and I, and I happen to believe that's baptism, and the spirit. So in other words, if, I don't care if you were baptized, it don't mean you're born again. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, again, I, is the kingdom in heaven? Certainly it is. But the kingdom is God's rulership. His rule extends much farther than someplace we're going someday after we die. Jesus said to his disciples, don't look here and there or with signs appearing for your kingdom, for the kingdom of God is within you. But he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit. Now, look at in my version, they do a pretty good job here with this translation because it's capital S spirit is little s spirit. Is any of your other versions do that? He says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Listen, we, we've got to get to the place where we can no longer reason people into the kingdom. I can give you reasonable things about being a Christian. I can give you probably a reasonable presentation. But do we understand that the things of the kingdom are not reasonable? Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be Jesus said, if, if your brother sins against you, you'll forgive him how many times? And if he wants your, 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 your coat, give him your cloak also. And I mean, does this make sense? So there's something, so, so there's something more than just reason. It's not just about getting the right music and modulating at just the right time. And you know, we've gotten used to the place that if we'll just get the music team to modulate, that's when the Holy Ghost drops right there. They've modulated to that next step up and you can feel God. Well, maybe God did show up, but that isn't contingent upon God showing up. Do you understand that we could have no music this morning, no prayer, no nothing, just come in, sit down, and we can access the presence of God? People are coming and they're not, they're not being quickened, they're not being enlivened. And I'm not trying to talk folks out of their salvation experience. In fact, I've often said this, if I can talk you out of it, then you didn't get what you thought you got. Because I'm here to tell you, I remember the day I got saved, uh, two nostril alert, and my life was radically reorganized at that moment. Something came alive in me to where I was no longer the same. And, and I just believe that, that I, I am called to preach conversion because I don't believe you're going to get anything more than what you declare. And you know what? I'm glad for folks that come and shake hands and hug necks and pray prayers and I'll keep giving altar calls and I'll keep giving people a chance and I'm not the saver and I understand that. But I'm just sowing it into you that there is a moment God enters you and what was dead comes alive. You say, I don't know that I've ever had that. I've got good news. It's available. I didn't ask if you loved God. You probably do love God. But would you be honest and ask yourself, have I really been made alive inside? Or did I just take a walk and raise my hand and pray the prayer and sign the card and I did what my mom and my dad told me I needed to do? And, and I thought I was just kind of doing it because that's just what people do. And I see the hypocrisy and I see the inconsistency. And I'm telling you, wipe it out of your eyes and get to the place where His Spirit bears witness with your spirit that I am a child of God. I am. The American church is defeated because 
We do not bear witness that way anymore. We struggle and, and, and then we try to, we try to convince them doctrinally. We instantly tell, and I'm not picking at it, but we instantly tell them, oh, you're saved and you're secure. And we just, we anesthetize them. They've never been made alive. Ah, you believe in security. Be my guest. I'm not, I'm not against it. I believe there's a, an assurance and a security. Don't misunderstand. I'm just saying the reason you're not secure is because it was never made alive. In John 20, 21. I'm just getting to preach. John 20, 21. Listen to this. Jesus is looking at his disciples. This is at the end, before the day of Pentecost. John 20, 21. Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now listen, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Some of you have made fun of Benny Hinn when he blows on people. Well, I just showed you a passage where Jesus blew on people. I don't know that that's my style. Who knows, maybe it will be today. But if Jesus did it and I'm seated with him, why, why are we always trying to talk ourselves out of doing miraculous things? It's, it's to make us feel good about our defeated lives. It says that he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You say, what was going on there? This is what I believe was going on. I mean, they walked with Jesus. They had, they had made incredible commitments. I believe these guys loved the Lord, don't you? If you walked with them for three years and you've gone through everything they went through, I mean, I could quote the verses and all the things they went through. I would say they love God. But something had to be made alive in them. And I'm talking, this is before Pentecost. Something had to be quickened in them. Jesus literally blew on them and said, I'm enlivening that human spirit inside of you. They probably needed it to even get them to an upper room. They probably needed it. There are some probably in the room right now. Again, I'm not trying to talk you out of anything. I'm just simply saying, if it's dead, Jesus needs to make it alive. The second group is the group that I'll just put this way. The spirit is probably, the inner man is depleted. Is depleted. In Luke 180, and again, there are several passages but the Bible tells us here concerning John the Baptist, it says, so the child grew and became strong and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. So this is what happened. John was obviously enlivened, but it said that he, that he had to be strengthened in his spirit. That's what Paul prayed, was it not as well, that we would be strengthened in spirit. It tells me that there can be a depletion that can actually take place. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, I'm going to end with this, and then we're done. 2 Corinthians 4.16, I'll put it on the screen, guys. My pages are sticking together. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Listen. Yet the inward man is being what? Day by day. by day. We, we, we will... Pick this up later about how you replenish and renew your spirit. There are ways you do that. That's why I've often said to, to, to people who don't want to participate in a local church or in the house of God are finding themselves in really precarious situations and keeping their spirit strengthened. 
Because there is a strengthening that comes when we're taught and we're together in the house of the Lord. That's how God designed it. But, but you need to understand that you can become weak in your spirit. But there's really no reason for it to happen. Because God has designed us to continually strengthen. You know, just as your physical body. You understand your physical body has to eat. You know, some of us think we have to eat a lot more than probably necessary to stay alive. But nonetheless, we know we have to, we have to fill the body with fuel in order to keep the body running. Right? You've got to fill the inner man with something to keep the inner man strong. Now, this is just where we're starting. I can't teach you into power. I can lead you there and, and you can begin to access it. I, I can't simply fill your mind with information and your soul with a feeling. This starts by, by wanting to get your inner man up and going. And can I just share this with you? The Holy Spirit's a wonderful teacher because if you'll, if you'll allow him to build up that part of you, to build up your inner man, to build up the inner life, if you, will, if you will let God begin to do that, it's amazing the verses that say when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will teach you all things. You'd be amazed that you wouldn't maybe need me as much as you think you need me. If he were enlivened in your spirit to such a capacity to where, wow, I hear the voice of God. I know what to do. This is the decision I need to make. I know what my feelings are telling me, but my feelings are lying to me. This is what God has said. I know it doesn't make sense to my family and my friends and my co-workers, but I've just heard from God. And it makes perfect sense. Because it bears witness with my spirit. You see, we've got to start turning our lives inside out. And now you understand why what Trace said this morning is so critical. Because if you're wounded and you're hurt and your spirit is defiled or your soul is fractured or scattered or wounded, do you understand how all of a sudden you don't make good decisions? You won't feel right? Things that, that you would look at that you think make sense don't really make sense to anyone else, including the Lord. Do, do you understand why this is so critical that you get how God works inside of you? This is the question. Why isn't life working? It's because God has not been released out of the inner man to exercise his rule and his dominion over the rest of my life. But he's there. Isn't that good news? He's there. Would you stand with me? Father, your word says that wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, you would be there. And Lord, right now, I'm confident that you are in this room and your spirit is active and willing and certainly able. Lord, I pray right now, as I just open up these wells, the altars of the church, that, Lord, your spirit would do now what I can't even begin to do. Lord, I can't reach into that inner sanctum of a human being. I can't, I can't reach into the to the center, the core of their being and speak to them. Only you can do that, Holy Spirit. So I'm asking now that you would be faithful to go where no man can go. To talk, to woo, to convict, to draw, to strengthen, to 
challenge to do what's necessary in all of our lives that we might no longer be just mere men and mere women but that we might aspire to be the sons and the daughters of God I understand Lord that the minute you saved us we were your children I understand but Lord we want we want to manifest and demonstrate that reality in amazing ways not that we might receive glory but that you oh God might be glorified oh might Jesus increase may I and may we decrease heads bowed right now this invitation is for those right now who you would say you know what I'm not even sure I've ever been quickened or enlivened inside you may have walked the walk and you may have talked the talk and again I'm not talking anybody out of anything but you would say because the Holy Spirit has spoke to you about this that that born from above is something that you just really aren't quite sure that's happened at least not the way perhaps you heard it We cannot strengthen that which is dead. We must resurrect that which is dead. And right now, if you would be honest enough to say, you know what, I have never made not only a personal decision for Jesus, but I'm presenting myself for resurrection. And I'm asking you right now to slip out and come to this this altar right now and just say, I'm ready to step into life. I want resurrection life. That's you. I want you to slip out right now. Resurrection life. Resurrection life. Resurrection life. Hallelujah. I want resurrection life. Come on down. Come on down. How about you? There's some that have moved. Come on, you can move. I just want to make sure. We're going to pray for those who are depleted in spirit in just a minute. But, but if it's never been quickened in you, I want, I want to resurrect life in you this morning. God loves you. He loves you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving right now. I want everyone to pray together. We have, we have several that have come, but I want everyone to join me. I want every mouth moving right now. All of us say in the name of Jesus, I present myself a candidate for resurrection life. I confess with my mouth my deadness. And I believe right now that you have empowered me to turn from death and to turn from sin that resurrection power comes I believe Jesus was raised from the dead that I too might have resurrection life I receive life into my inner man I'm expanding with the life of God. It's no longer theory. Ah, This is reality. I'm moving from death to life, from darkness to light. I am not the same. Not just a decision, but a translation. I am 
a child of God right now in Jesus' name. Just take a big deep breath. Just take a big deep breath, everybody. Now here's what we're going to do. I want you folks just to stay right here because you're going you're gonna to get in on this one too. Some of you right now, you, you, you would say, Pastor, I, I really, I can remember, I can remember when I had my two nostril alert. I can remember the change. I remember when Jesus came to me. I remember. But to be candid with you, I am weak. And I've been, maybe you've been weak for a long, long time. You're depleted in your spirit. It is time that you rose up again. I remember years ago, I did Master's Commission with young people about your age, these college kids. And I'd have them come in. I made them come in every morning about 7 a.m. in the morning. And I'd look at them, and they'd come in dragging Heine, you know, coming in in the, in the morning. And they'd just be dragging and laying on the chairs. And so I'd come in, and I'd make them stand. And I'd say these famous words. You remember, Trace, what I'd make them say? Rise up, O inner man. And they'd get up, and they'd just kind of be dragging wagon. And they'd go, rise up, O inner man. I'd say, no. The Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. That's literally the psalmist saying to his soul, you're going to do what I tell you to do. You're going to start doing what I tell you to do, soul. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you think. I don't care how your week went. I don't care if you got one hour of sleep last night or if you got the best night's sleep in your life. I don't care. I don't care if your relationship's falling apart. I don't care if there are bills on the table that you can't pay. I don't care. I don't care if the the boss is thinking about laying you off or if he has laid you off. I don't care. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in the State House. I don't care. Rise up, oh inner man. Rise up, oh inner man. You got you to start getting forceful. Your inner man is longing for your confession to agree with what God said. He's not doing anything. God's not even moving because you're speaking the opposite of what it says. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. If the enemy comes against you one way, he'll scatter in seven. You are blessed in your barns and in your baskets. You shall lend and not borrow. That's what this says. So I don't care what life is telling you. I know what you're... But you don't know what I'm looking at. Listen, get out of your mind for a moment. Get out of your feelings for a moment. And just trust God. And just go, rise up, rise up, O inner man. It is time that I was strengthened by might in the inner man. For those of you that are depleted in spirit right now, just say, I'm coming for my fill-up before I leave this morning. I'm coming this morning because I will not go another minute without being filled again. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up. Fill me up, come on, everyone, right now in the house. Begin to just say, fill us. Lord, expand us again by might. Let the eyes of our heart be enlightened. Rise up, O inner man. Fill 
us up to overflowing again. Come on, just breathe in His presence. Breathe in. And just as your natural lungs expand, just begin to see your inner man expanding again. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Lord, I believe in you. My trust is in you. Strength is coming right now. Come on, don't wait for a feeling. If you're waiting for a feeling, come on, you got to break out of that right now. I don't care how you feel. I am strong. I am strong. You say, I feel weak. Well, the Bible says when I am weak, he is strong. And he's strong in here because this is where he lives. Fill. Come on, everyone say fill. Fill me. Come on, fill us, Lord, right now. Fill us up. Build us up. Strengthen us by might in the inner man. Fill us up by might in the inner man. Be filled, be filled, be filled. Strengthen and strengthen. Strengthened by might in the inner man. Strengthened by might in the inner man. Strengthened by might in the inner man. Strengthened, strengthened. Strengthened. Come on, just be filled, be filled. Fill. Just, come on, just become. Lift your arms to the Lord for a minute. Just lift your arms to the Lord for a moment. Lord, fill. Strengthen these, your people. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of our God.
just, I'll just share this with you and then we're going to wrap. Is we're not used to soaking. See, something's got to soak. We, we, we're Americans. We're the express lane. We're the breezeway. We want to be the first on and the first off. We're the microwave. And you know, that's great technology, but that's not how the kingdom always works. And we're not used to soaking. We're not used to soaking in his word. We're not used to soaking in his presence. We're just not used to these things. And it has caused us to be defeated. Because God doesn't work quickly. He's not, he's just, he's just not that way. You're not, you're not going to force him into our American mentality. He just doesn't have to do that. He beckons us to kingdom mentality. And so if we spend a minute or two longer than maybe the average national church service length, then folks, it's because we're, we're soaking. Are you with me? We're soaking. Come on, one last time now. Let's just, let's let our hearts arise right now. One more time. Say, rise up, a winter man. Be filled. Be full. Be strong. I receive from the Spirit of God that strengthening by God's might in my inner man. I'm walking from this place a different person, strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It is done in Jesus' name. Can you say amen and give the Lord one last hand clap? Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, it's going to be a great week. Now, you can keep yourself strengthened by being at Connect Group, being at Iron Man, being at Wednesday nights, being in the house of God. You can read church blogs. You can go to iTunes. We do everything, I think, known to man to try to keep you strong in spirit. But you've got to want it. And if you'll, if you'll keep yourself hungry and thirsty, God's going to do amazing things in these next weeks. Amen. All right, I'm going to release you. Love people. Be an encouragement to someone. Hug a neck or two. Shake some hands. And God bless you. I'm so glad you're here. I want to see you in the house of God this week. God bless you. You're released.